Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, and welcome into Vikings Ventline here. Part of the Purple Daily podcast with Mackie, Judd, and Declan producing. Powered by Corona Hard Seltzer. Spike sparkling water with natural flavors imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This is the most interactive show in Minnesota sports. If you want to join Vikings Ventline with your thoughts on what we just watched for three and a half hours, send us an email and Declan will line up the uh, the guests in queue at vikingsventline at gmail.com. And if you enjoy Vikings Ventline, remember Purple Daily is seven days a week during the season on youtube.com slash purple daily podcast and also in podcast form on apple spotify and scorenorth.com judd zolget is at u.s bank stadium right now and i feel like we are all lesser people for having watched that game for three and a half hours but the bottom line is the vikings are six and six and it sets up a playoff ramification showdown with the tampa bay buccaneers and tom brady next week it was a zigzaggy and in some cases, embarrassing road today, Judd, but the Vikings get the win. Sometimes that's all that matters. That's part about this game, I thought, was the end of the game when Bailey kicked the uh, field goal, and absolutely nobody from the Vikings side celebrated, and they shouldn't have. Like, they just basically, they they were like, okay, that's it, thank God. I mean, this was awful. This was a torturous game if you played, if you watched it on TV. Um, This was a game that, look, Jacksonville – should have been punched in the face early. The Vikings should have taken a 10-point to two-touchdown lead, and the Vikings should have cruised. And Dalvin Cook, as a result, Phil Mackey, his workload should have been very, you know, reasonable. Instead, I believe I just uh, I just did the tabulations. I have uh, Dalvin Cook today with approximately, I think, 38 touches. I mean, this is, Dude, this is so impressive. not – this is so not – and I get the fact that, that um, it, it was, I guess – Surprising when Kendricks couldn't play, he had a calf. He was on the injury report all week, but he was not. Uh, he was not given an injury designation on Friday, so we all thought he's fine. He came out, I guess, today, tried to warm up. It didn't go well, and was scratched uh, from this game. And I understand Eric Kendricks' absence from this defense is a big deal. That being said, it was Mike Glennon and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, come on, we can pick this, and and also. How on earth, when you're playing the Jaguars, how in the first half of this game does Justin Jefferson have two targets, two catches for 12 yards? Like, what are you doing offensively? What's your what's your plan there? So I just thought that there were 
a lot of things that if the Vikings were playing a team that actually cared a little bit more today, they lose for sure. You're right. They did win. Um, I'd be looking for a lot more against Tampa Bay a week from today, or else you are going to get blown off the field down there in Florida. Listen, so I'm, I'm sort of torn on this. I mean, you know, obviously you don't want to be grinding out the last like two minutes of overtime against the Jaguars in any circumstance. Right. And, and you don't want Mike Glennon to be running up like 300 yards passing on you. But at the same time, the Jaguars have played, you know, the Jaguars are one of the worst teams in the NFL. They have played a lot of close one score games in the last month and a half. And so they've been, I think they've just been a little bit peskier than people give them credit for. This is sort of a classic trap game. And I would argue that if Dan Bailey doesn't miss two extra points and a field goal, we don't feel quite as like if Dan Bailey missing those extra points, breathe life back into it for the Jaguars in a lot of ways. Not that there weren't other flaws for the Vikings, but my favorite part of this game was watching Mike Zimmer clearly like they didn't show him very often on the sidelines, but it was very obvious that he was on his little headset there with his mask on, just telling Gary Kubiak and anyone on the horn, run it again run it again. But coach, we're down to the two yard line. Dan Bailey is ready to go run it again. <laughs> and then I Dakota, know. Dakota jo- uh, Dozier, of course it's Dakota Dozier jumps off sides to, to bring him out. But that, that was the right play. Like I don't trust Dan Bailey to kick a game winning field goal in that spot either. So if it gets to be fourth down and you have to kick it. Okay. Um, but I, I was, I was wildly entertained by, uh, by that sequence at the end. Like how far is Zimmer going to let them keep handing off and risking fumbles? Apparently the whole time. Yeah, exactly. That's right. right. Exactly right. But yeah, it was just a, uh, this is as, as bad of game. In fact, this game was so bad that in some ways I thought it became enjoyable to watch how bad it became. Like it was so poorly played and managed and everything. And it, you just kept saying, cause I, I thought when Jefferson caught the, uh, deep touchdown pass, right. I thought this game's done. Like they're going to win by 12 now or 14 points. And I really thought that, and then they drive down the field at, at the basically end of the fourth quarter and then they go for two, and it was classic Zim. So the Jaguars went for two. Glennon completes the pass. Zimmer takes all his, like, charts and stuff and just throws them down a watch away. <laughs> he was absolutely disgusted. And you know what? He was right. He should have been. I don't blame him one bit. Amazing. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll shut up here in a second, and we'll bring you guys into the mix and give your thoughts on what happened today. Just a couple final numbers here. Kirk Cousins goes 28 of 43 for 305 yards, three touchdowns. He had a chance at the end of regulation to dagger the Jaguars. Uh, didn't get a ton of help from his offensive line. They had some just some bad sequences there toward the end of not only the fourth quarter, but their their first drive in overtime. Just a lot of clunkiness. And that's been my rip. End of the first half, too. It's like they just they hand the ball off on first down in these urgent situations and then they burn timeouts when they don't need to um so i would like my my second takeaway aside from hey dan bailey get your head out of your ass is coaches kirk offensive line everybody spend a little extra time on urgent two-minute situations you look great against the panthers at the end of that game last week but for the most part it just feels like it, it just feels discombobulated there's penalties um, it feels like Kirk locks onto receivers sometimes. So the, anyhow. Run, is, the run is really weird, right? Like, why are you running like 30, on first 13, down? It's and like, what are you doing? 13, I think they ran or no, they, they uh, dumped off a short pass to cook who basically got like 10 yards or, and then he hit, or no, it, it was like third and 20. He got like 10 yards and then he just slid like he's a quarterback. 
It was very, it was weird. But I keep coming back to one thing, boys. Number eighteen plays for you. Like you've got this this uh, weapon. Well, they, but, they, but they did. They, I mean, he caught nine passes for 120 yards, and should, it probably should have had a tenth for 160 yards. If I they know, don't but call what you're OPM. talking about, but the, the exact plays sometimes that you're talking about is where you take shots. Like, worst case, he's probably going to break up the play. Worst case, he's really strong. He's really good. Like, he is your best. He is probably your best player. So, yes. I guess I, so I guess I'm a little bit confused as to why you don't say, you know what, let's throw caution to the wind a little bit with this one guy. Because Kirk, the one the one thing I will give your guy, Phil, the one thing that I will completely nod to your guy is your guy can make the throws that 18 thrives on. Like there's no that's not a debate. He makes the he can make those throws. He's good enough. He is the Colossus of Clutch. Did you see so, those handoffs? Dude, did you see those handoffs at the end of overtime? His frustration. Perfect form. Oh, Perfect um, form. And and he's gonna be charged with the Dalvin fumble near the goal line. That's on Dalvin, to be clear. I agree. That was on I'm not, blaming, I'm not blaming Kirk, okay? Much like it was on Adrian Peterson at the end of the first half we in the NFC that. Championship game. We both exactly. tweeted at the same time. Gotta so, all right. It. Open it up. Judd's at the stadium. Declan is taking uh, your emails at vikingsventline at gmail.com if you want to jump in the video. We have a pretty long list of Vikings fans who are going to join us here, but uh, you can get in line or you can get ahead for one of the future weeks and just send a note, get on our radar. Vikingsventline at gmail.com. Uh, Dex, who's first out of the gate here on Ventline? Let's go to Dylan. Dylan, how wow, are you? Wow, you got starting me off on the first in the shoot, huh? Um, I got five quick points. I'm going to go quick so I can hit them all real, real fast. So, uh, the Vikings on script plays, they start off way too slow. You have you have the best wide receiver duo in the league. Like, just just punch them in the mouth. Right? That's number one. Number two, uh, I don't know if you guys remember a couple of years ago, the Kirk Cousins soundbite. Um, he's talking to a running back, and he's like, you know, the running back position has made me a lot of money in this league by throwing screen passes. That's fine. I'm cool with that. I think we're losing Dylan, unless it's my connection. Dex, uh, I, think, we're losing I, think, I, think we're, I think we're having a little bit of spotty internet connection there with Dylan. Okay, well, let's keep him in queue, and let's get to the next sure. one here. Dylan, let's, check your internet there. We'd like to hear your other points. Let's go to uh, Trevor. Trevor, what's going on, dude? Gentlemen, how's it going? Um, hey, a, win, a win's a win. A win's a win. <laughs> a win's a win. I, uh, I called in last week, one. and uh, one of my comments was around special teams, and I just said that our uh, field goal kicking wasn't a – hasn't been a concern this year as it's been in the past. So then the whole game, I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> I jinxed us. Uh, so I better watch my mouth when I'm on vent line here. For I just want to make it clear that it, it, as long as you are a Vikings fan, you are never out of the kicker woods, all right? Yeah, no kidding. Never uh, feel too comfortable with your kicker. Right. You guys, uh, you guys touched on it a little bit here, and it was one of the things I wanted to bring up was the play calling. Um, especially at the beginning of the game for coming out slow. And I, I feel like we are, are we missing Stefanski significantly more than we, we realize? Like, is it uh, coming out of the gate slow is it's really frustrating to watch. I know Dylan was starting to touch on that, the caller before this, but I don't know if I, if I like how Kubiak is calling some plays out there. Now I know some of the past plays are on Kirk reading and making plays there, but, I some of the plays it, I just was really frustrated with and now at the end of the game where 
we were feeding Dalvin up the middle, running the ball. I feel like this was a, a, a game against Jacksonville where you can run it up the middle with Dalvin early and kind of set the tone and use your play action. And I don't know if that was really represented right away. Yeah, uh, these are good questions. Thanks for jumping on. And um, and, and I think, I don't know, Judd, it kind of it feels like there are so many things that were frustrating today and so many things to bang your head on a wall about. But at the same time, you're going to have games like that. And the Vikings have had games like that and lost them this year. I don't know that like, this is going to sound cliche. I don't know that I like take a lot of things out of this game that I didn't know before. It just felt like they were zombies for three hours for the most part. And uh, you know, they, they handed the ball off to Dalvin enough in the fourth quarter to just sort of grind down. And um they just made like the only kick that mattered at the end. Like th- there wasn't anything that I learned from this game that I take away and say, "Oh my god!" Like revelation going into the Bucks game next week. The first half to me seemed very, very passive um, on both sides, and they didn't seem prepared. Now, here's my frustration with that, though: is you get, I think, in the course of an entire season, if you're a halfway decent team, one of these at home per year. You got yours, the Falcons game. Like the Falcons game, if you're Zim, I would have spent all last week being basically like, remember the Falcons game? Remember how you played? Remember how we played, how we coached? Um, so my frustration with today was in some ways, although I never really did feel like the Vikings were going to lose this game, um, my frustration was the fact that it was such a reminder at different times of that game. And the Vikings just sort of came out like like they knew that they were going to win but I would have tried to win this game by 21. Like I, I would have been working on things. I, I, I would have come out super aggressive. Yeah. Um, I would have done the, the thing about the Falcons game was the Vikings were passive. They got behind and they were dead. Today's game to me against Jacksonville, I, I would have come out with the mentality opposite of that and tried to bury them. And the Vikings really didn't. It was a weird game. I mean, it was a terrible, terrible game. Um, but I'm just a little bit surprised that an improving team at this point in the season playing a, keep, keep in mind too, guys, a 1-10 team that hasn't won since week one, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't come out with more of a dagger mentality immediately and just basically say, by the time the first quarter ends, our goal is to be up by at least 10, if not 14. And you are, from there on, we are not going to get off your necks. And they, did, they didn't even come close to that. It seems to me, I think this is a Mike Zimmer thing. It seems like whenever they're playing a weak opponent, his mindset is more, okay, let's just not lose the game. Let's make sure that we hand the ball off to Dalvin. We don't turn the ball over. Like, let's start with, they have a crappy quarterback, so we can sort of hold that guy in check. And so as long as you don't blow the game with three interceptions offense, we should be able to win this thing. 21 to 16 like that almost feels like the mindset going into all games especially at home against weak opponents instead of what you're saying which is just go out and let Justin Jefferson run wild down the field against the worst pass defense in the NFL and put up 21 points in the first quarter like and end the game and and then they'll just mentally check out and you can coast to a 35 to 10 victory or whatever you know the, the more that you hand off and then and then, of course, like the, the biggest one in the second half, because it looked like, OK, they they weathered a bit of a, a road bump in the first half, come out in the second half, get the ball. And then Kirk throws the interception miscommunication with Dalvin, who had his back turned on that play. He was the check down option. I don't know why Dalvin isn't looking for the ball in that spot. But the yeah. fact that he wasn't and Kirk threw it to a linebacker, it's like, guys, what are you doing on the Stefanski point? 
Yeah, Kevin Stefanski, uh, I saw Violet put in the, the chat box here on YouTube that the Cleveland Browns put up 40 points. They put up, I think, 38 points in the first half today against the Tennessee Titans. And Baker Mayfield is a limited starting quarterback. And so the Browns have more wins than all but three teams in the NFL, and they're moving the ball offensively uh, with a limited quarterback. And so, I mean, I guess the, the initial question was, do the Vikings miss Kevin Stefanski? And the answer is yes. I also think Gary Kubiak is doing an excellent job for the most part this season. So um, I don't know. I think I think where they're missing Stefanski is that they let their future head coach get away, much like Mike Tomlin in 2007. That'd be the biggest question for me. I just w- wanted to see the offense today, especially with the defense uh, down a very important player in Kendricks. I wanted to see them come out and just bury this team. I mean, this team was begging to die. Like the Jaguars are like, okay, we're done. We're done. No, we're not done. Um, that poor <laughs> corner against Jefferson had no chance. Like that corner was fighting for his life. He was clutching and grabbing and, and I don't blame him. Um, but I do think that if you had come out with a game plan that exploited those weaknesses and again, you know what? First half guys, it was back to cousin straps back. Where's 19? Where's 19? Yep. Do I see 19? Dude, you got other players out there. Like I'm, I don't want this to turn into a, a referendum or criticism of Thielen because it's not he's really valuable and he's really good but I do want to be very clear in saying he's not like your best friend who you have to throw to every time it's like you've got Jefferson you've got um other players other players to throw to and it's just like Thielen came back and the first quarter was like where is he it's like I know it's not that big a deal it's a lot A lot of people, by the way, in the uh, YouTube and Facebook comments shouting out Cam Dantzler. Yeah, this was a breakout game for Cam Dantzler for sure. The the great great interception and then uh, forcing that fumble, too, was another great play. Just those weren't like lucky plays. Those were just great take the ball away plays that you need. And congratulations, Vikings secondary. That's the first cornerback interception by a Viking this season. And we're sitting here the first week in December. But I mean, rookie cornerbacks. Like right? So yeah, um, Eric Kendricks has a bunch of them. Eric Wilson. So all right, Dex, who's next on Vikings Ventline? Yeah, let's go to uh, Will. We'll hey, go to Vikings oh, is that a it's what, a we got on that hat there. Kurt's number two fan, you know. I know that uh, Phil's the number oh, one. We're going to take that. So, uh, but yeah, uh, once again, guys, you know the fourth quarter Pharaoh, the secondary Slayer, the late game Luminary. You know he's going to get credited with the fourth quarter comeback, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, but no, overall, I don't know. It just this game kind of reminded me of the from two years ago, the Buffalo game where we were heavy favorites too, and then we just came out with like a lack of energy. It was kind of lethargic for whatever reason. So definitely uh, really disappointed in the overall effort. I think the last two games, I just don't think like our overall consistent level of play that's kind of been a trademark under Zimmer has been there. Uh, With though, going on to the Stefanski thing, I mean, ultimately this is Kubiak's offense, right? Like, I mean, even if you go back to when he was coaching the Texans and he had Owen Daniels and uh, Andre Johnson and Kevin Walter, right? With Arian Foster and they run the zone scheme. Like, it just seems like there's so many similarities there. And I think that Thielen gets targeted so much because he's kind of the shorter to intermediate guy and then Jefferson for the home run ball. And I think that's just kind of the way the offense is set up. But look, at the end of the day, I think uh, we're five and one in our last six after starting one and five. A lot of teams would have laid down and died. We didn't. And I think that's one thing about Zimmer that I have to give him credit. He always keeps his team competing and fighting, you know, and uh, I just really respect that a lot. So super excited about the game. 
And you know what, Will? When things are going awry and and the wheels are coming off and and Eric Kendricks is out, you can always count late in the game on the Colossus of Clutch, <laughs> our guy, the, the the top two fans of Kirk Cousins. That's right. There you go. So, uh, just, yeah, just really awesome, man. I was just stressed out. The Eric Kendricks thing, I think that the defense, they got shook by that, and you could see it. Um, I think they need a little time to settle down, though. But, uh, hey, we got Tampa Bay, and if we play like this against Tampa Bay, we're going to get absolutely steamrolled. But Mike Mike usually has a pretty good game plan against those top quarterbacks, so I'm excited to see what he's got. Yeah, for sure, man. Good stuff, Will. Appreciate you coming on. Love you, Will. Um, yeah, I think, yeah I think, you know, Tom, you know, Tom Brady – Tom Brady has been better than people probably think this year because I think people are so fixated on the the flaws. But Mike Zimmer's scheming should be able to make Tom Brady uncomfortable in spots. What I would most worry about next week is the fact that you've got Antonio Brown, you've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. What if Eric Kendricks can't play next week? Yeah, you're you're probably sunk. It's going to be real tough to you're, stop. You're probably sunk, Ben. I I would say that that that's a safe bet. If he can't play, and you've got Wilson, who I, I, I like a lot, but then what? You've got uh, Die, and then who, who did they use as the third linebacker uh, uh, today? Dave, uh, they, Davis. Todd Davis. Todd Davis. Todd yeah, Davis. Todd yeah. Davis. Okay, if those, if those are going to be your three guys against the, the Bucks, there, I think you're in quite a bit of trouble. In hey, fairness. People are, are also commenting here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel and on the Score North Facebook channel. Let's see here. We'll pop this one on the screen here. Plus, uh, what the bleep was that end of game play call with Zimmer? Let's touch on that for a second. At the end of regulation, and the Vi- first of all, the Vikings I think started that drive with three timeouts, if I'm not mistaken, and it's a tie game, and they have over a minute to go, mm-hmm. and they hand they hand off on first down because you got to get a good handoff in there with a minute to go in an urgent situation. Mm-hmm. You got to get that five yard handoff in. It's always a it's always a play calling shotgun though, so they never saw the handoff coming. <laughs> right, and so they wind up burning all three timeouts with 24 seconds left. They have no timeouts, and they're on the fringe of field goal range with a kicker that is clearly struggling on the day, and Dan Bailey because he had missed two extra points. So you're sitting there at like the 33, 34 yard line, mm-hmm. no timeouts. You probably should have spiked it and saved a timeout so you could at least have a wide open playbook to gain five or ten more yards. And so instead, all right, third and one, bunch of different options here. But no matter what, you got to make sure that you leave enough time to to run up and spike it if you get that first down, right? If you don't get the first down, it's fourth down. And so you got to run your kicking team out there. That's why you always save the timeout. Of all the different options there, running up the middle for a couple yards and then quickly spiking or a quick hitting pass or a screen or something or finding Adam Thielen, you know, 15 yards down the field or Rudolph up the seam. They throw a 35-yard bomb to the end zone, a fade. For what? Like, what if he catches that inbounds? Does the clock just run out? I, I thought the same thing. Like, I didn't what are you understand. doing what, on that what play? What would happen if he catches it? Hold on, I got to get to that play. I have no, yeah, it's like, very, I mean, very confusing. And how? And so, in, in, in the most likely outcome, there is an incomplete pass, right? And now you're sitting on a 51 yard field goal with a kicker that's in his head, and it winds up predictably shanking to the left, right? I just like they need to spend starting with Mike Zimmer, spend 10 hours this week. They won't do it. Going through end game strategy and management and timeout preservation. It's mm-hmm. a theme time and time again with this team. And, you know, I, you know, you know, is some of it on 
Um, is some of it on Gary Kubiak for play calling? Probably. But Mike Zimmer ultimately is the CEO. You're the head coach, dude. And Spend five you, minutes studying endgame theory. And I will ask again, why was that deep shot for Thielen? That's who it was for. Okay, okay so let's say, let's give him the benefit of the doubt completely, okay? Intermediate guy, short game guy. Like, if you're going to call that play, there's only one guy to call that play for. If you're going to take that shot, like, let's just say you're like, you know, bleep you guys, we're going to try it. Justin Jefferson, but it didn't go to him. It doesn't make any sense. There are so many things that this team does that confuse me. And it's it's as if they still call plays at times, like they feel like they have the luxury of the defense being good, which you did at one time. Like your defense could make up for your offensive screw-ups and flaws a lot previously, right? Mm -hmm. But in 2020, they can't. And so, but it's it's never like you're gearing things towards Mike thinking, what can I do for my defense uh, to help them from the offensive side? Because we're not that good defensively. I mean, at any time, you're without Hunter now. You're without Pierce. You're Coyle. without Hendricks. You're without Niederreiter. You're without uh, Zucker. Crazy. Zucker. Suter. You're without all these Boyd guys. misses a tackle. What do you think? Like, what are you? Yeah. And, and that's the other thing. Like, Chris Boyd. Uh, Chris Boyd now, the counter. Four special teams penalties in the past three games. On this three-game homestand, he he jumped early on the fake punt, and I believe he now finished this homestand with three blocks in the back. But anyway, my point is your offense has to be counted on to make up for your defensive deficiencies, but it's like at times they don't think about that. Like, why not? Why would you think Chris about Boyd, that? Chris Boyd also had a chance to intercept two passes in the end zone today, he, too, in mm-hmm. the first half. He tipped the first – did he tip the first one? Did, did he get his hand it, on that it, and redirect it at all? I think it just bounced off his torso. It, like, bounced off his, his back or his side, right? I saw and it, I it changed directions, but I couldn't tell exactly how. And then, uh, and then uh, my guy Glennon had a touchdown pass. Glennon. Great. It's amazing. Glennon. You, Great you, if you're a Glennon, you, do you celebrate that like it's a legit touchdown pass? For he sure. kind of did. It's like, Hell on, yeah, I'm Mike Lennon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Declan. When you're telling your kids about your stats in uh, in the NFL, you're not gonna you're no, not gonna thanks, put an asterisk man. next to that one. You know what All I right. tell them? I beat Mike Zimmer's defense on that one play. <laughs> uh, this is Vikings Ventline, the most interactive show in Minnesota sports. Judd Zolget is at the stadium. Phil Mackey and Declan Goff enjoying some Corona Hard Seltzers, some victory. Oh, yeah. Cheers to a Vikings victory to get back to 500. It's like the if you if you were just like out and about doing your thing, figure yeah they're playing the Jaguars, and you just check the final score. And like, All right, well that got weird. Um, you're probably not you're you're probably not as frustrated with the process. But I think the the main headline here is they are six and six. It was an ugly victory, but that game against and we're going to keep an eye on this Arizona score here too because if the Cardinals lose today, the Vikings I believe move into that final playoff spot, Correct. and then they have a chance to move up again by beating Tampa Bay next week so they control a lot of their destiny right now did i see the bears lost to bears blew a two two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter there's vent line can't wait yeah bears vent line on mackie and judd tomorrow that's that's a that's a major positive as mike mccarthy (laughs) says all right dex who do we got next on vikings vent line powered by corona hard seltzer let's go with our uh sports bro nick judd sports son nick how we doing what's up what's up guys um that was hideous absolutely hideous (laughs) yep my God, it's like every time you knew we were up or we were going to go up by a large amount, you held your breath because you knew it was going to happen. I mean, silver lining is we didn't muffle. 
fun today. So, I mean, the Vikings actually, they did. continue to play. Actually, yeah, they, actually, they, they did. did. They did. A late one. AJ fumbled it and and recovered it. And, and oh, it, was, that's right. it was debatable. It looked like the ground sports on might have caused it, but they definitely said it was a fumble by Osborne and a recovery for him. So they did muff a punt just at the end of a punt return. And he tried to trot off. Statement. He tried to trot off the field like nothing happened. Just kind of. <laughs> but uh, we all know. Jesus, man. All right. Never mind. <laughs> Um, well, on that note, they continue to play um, fundamentally unsound football. I believe the stat they said was they lead the league with, I think, four games of three-plus turnovers. I mean, my God, guys, get it together. And Mackie, I think you said um, Jefferson had either nine targets or nine catches, but it, it took way too long to get to that point. I think that's what all of us are echoing. I mean, just giving the ball right away. Like the deep ball to Thielen, that should be to Jefferson. I don't know. And special teams, guys, every week, every week, every play for special teams. Now it's going to be even worse. Now okay, we're going to be holding our breath. So <laughs> offensive play calling, everyone's pressed on. I mean, yeah. Why? Why is it that they are aggressive in play calling when we want them to actually run out the clock? And then that's a the great whole, question. Mike Mike Zimmer's mantra in 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 this year in general too. He's not aggressive when we want him to be aggressive. And then when you're aggressive, you do those stupid like three bombs down the field. It doesn't make any sense. So I will leave you with this. Leave you with this. Uh, pro slash son. One clap of the day. Everyone's already said it. To the needle. Hold me closer. Camera dancer. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Sports awesome. bro Nick jumping in to Vikings vent line here. Uh, as Ed Toro chimes in too in the YouTube comments section. I think we have sort of competing narratives here about Justin Jefferson. Uh, he did go over a thousand yards, correct? Yeah, he's he's putting yeah, up numbers that like only a small handful of rookie wide receivers have ever put up. Where I do join what you and sports bro Nick are saying is going into this game, there were 10 wide receivers in the NFL with at least 900 yards receiving. Justin Jefferson was one of the 10, but basically all of the other 10 have been targeted 30 times more than Jefferson so far this year. So, and the Vikings buy in like the Vikings have, uh, I believe going into today, they were bottom five in just pass attempts period. So it's just, you know, it's, it's what we've all known. It's a very conservative approach to offensive football. It's a feed the ball to Dalvin, uh, system, but if you're ranking the guys that can lightning bolt impact the game, I know Dalvin Cook can, but Justin Jefferson, I think I would put number one on that list. I really Absolutely. would. So, Absolutely. yeah, but but I mean, at, at the end of the day, he had a ridiculous game, and he was well, targeted sure. twelve times. But he had he had two targets in, in the entire first half. That's the problem. Like, it's not hard to, to say. Let's see, two targets for twelve yards from a dynamic receiver. What does it make sense about that? That's the mm-hmm. thing about it is it, it's it's not the targets at the end of this game that, that bothers me. It's the philosophy that was taken towards the approach of how to use him. Because, like, if you watch this game, I think you said to yourself, let's see here. If you were, were had the goal to dagger Jacksonville pretty quickly in this game in the first quarter, I'm taking shots. Like, just take shots. Mm-hmm. Worst case, they're picked off deep. That worst, that's the worst case. 
You know, I would say, uh, again, just looking at the YouTube comments here, uh, this one that's on the screen now, Damon Prather says, stop complaining. We're winning with a bunch of backups on defense. Zimmer deserves credit. We started one and five. And I tend to lean in, in my evaluation of the last month and a half, I tend to lean more toward that line of thinking. And that think about today, for instance, I know that it's the Jaguars and they have a backup quarterback and, you know, they're terrible. But Daniil Hunter's out. Michael Pierce is out. You traded Unique Ngakwe. So three quarters of what you thought was going to be your starting defensive line at one point is, is gone. Eric Hendricks is one of the best players in the NFL. He's gone. You got rookie cornerbacks up and down the field. And you've got literally, you're literally bringing in linebackers we've never even like thought of up until a couple weeks ago. Anthony Barr is out for the season. And you're like, you're doing fine. Yeah, you're good. You're going to allow. Sometimes you're going to allow Mike Glennon to go down the field. If this was the same personnel from two years ago, mm-hmm. okay, n- now we have a huge issue. But th- this defense is going to remain flawed going forward, and the offense is going to have to be the unit that carries this thing going forward. And right. I think I think what we're debating here about Justin Jefferson is I'm saying the the end product was exactly what you want. And what you're saying is, well, why don't you get to the end product quicker and dagger them early by targeting him five times and go right for the jugular, if, if I'm reading this correctly. What I'm saying is that you had three consecutive home games against three teams that when it's the homestand started, I think, had six combined wins. I think the correct philosophy could have gotten you three consecutive wins instead of two of three. And that's the thing. And yes, look, but the conference stinks, okay? Like the conference is terrible. Uh, if you coach this right, you can win a ton of, of games. Now, going to Tampa is tougher. Um, going to play the Saints on Christmas Day, tougher. But when you have um, Dallas, Carolina, and Jacksonville, I expect you at home in the conference in 2020 to beat all three of those teams. And I think that your offense has the potential to basically single-handedly win all three games at home. That's my frustration here. So, so like, I, I think to be, be like, well, they got off to a bad start. And now, yeah, that's great. But I, I also think that's settling, as we tend to do in this state here, instead of saying, but hold on a second. The conference is awful. How can you win more games? The reality is this team should have beaten the Titans. They should have. But you know what? Titans are a pretty good team. But the Falcons, you lost that game. So somewhere along the line, in my opinion, against the Cowboys, that's a bad loss too. So I just think that there are ways to win these games against teams like the Cowboys, like the Panthers, and the Jags. And it's somewhat frustrating to watch the Vikings come out lethargic and not look great when the potential is there. I mean, we are right now. We're in December. We are actively talking. And to the Vikings' credit, they're not on this list of teams, Phil. We're talking about teams that are begging to go home. Like the Jaguars didn't want to be here. Do you think someone snuck the – do you think someone snuck the Jaguars the news that the Jets melted down late in the fourth quarter and and lost? Therefore, it is imperative that you lose this game to stay one back in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Probably. How Glennon, how, Mike Glennon, dude, we just eat, throw it to Harrison. Throw it to Harrison. Fool, how foolish would the Jets have looked if they accidentally won that game? They tried. They tried. They tried, man. The, I don't the Raiders were doing. The Raiders yeah. are the team that I'm questioning. That's a good point, too. Yeah. That's a very good point. All right. Yeah. All right. Who's next, Dex? All right. He's calling us from a different spot every week. Chauncey in Fargo. Where are you at this week, Chauncey? What's up, Chauncey? Hey, guys. Uh, back home. Better reception here now. So I'm over in my neighbor Mike's shop. Came over to get some tools. So, yeah. 
we're going to do a little work around the uh, house now here. But I was brought back to a, uh, a Danny Green quote, right? The old goody. They are who we thought they were, right? That's how I'm feeling about the Vikings at this point of the season. They're an average team, right? They roller coaster up. They beat some teams they should. They lose to some teams they shouldn't. They're an average team. That's where they're at in the NFL. They're not a Super Bowl team. They're, they are who we thought they were. Uh, on another note, if an investigative reporter could uh, somehow tap into Marvin Maloof's computer, it'd be interesting to see what pictures he has of Mike Zimmer. Because uh, <laughs> I realize he wasn't out there kicking those. Bailey was. I don't know what he's supposed to do about that. But the comedy of errors from the special teams, you know, I mean, unbelievable i i'm waiting for uh the long snapper to turn and just snap it out of bounds one time or you know i, I don't know what could come be worse on this unit chancy i think it's hilarious that in the last three or four weeks we've sat here we've tallied up just it's it's like if you have special teams incompetence bingo we're right. going we're going for a blackout it's like block punts uh botch a fake punt with uh, illegal motion before the snap cut your long snapper You've got uh, inability to even gain more than 13 yards on the season in punt returns. But then the whole time we were saying, but Dan Bailey's been great. You know what? Dan Bailey is the most important thing, and he's been great. And he comes by and he says, hold my beer. I'll finish this bingo incompetent special teams blackout for you. It'll be great. I was going to say, it isn't bingo at this point. It's blackout. It's yeah. It's posted, stamped, four corners, the whole works. You could have <laughs> cleaned out the uh, local small town bar and went home with the money. But, yeah, I, I think they are who we thought they were. I wouldn't want to be a better putting money on the Vikings. There's no game that's safe. There's no game that they possibly couldn't win. Uh, one thing I did like to see, I, you know, you guys touched on Dantzler. It's been nice to see him and Gladney show a few flashes. Maybe that means they won't have to draft a corner in the first round. Maybe we can actually draft an offensive lineman. So I hope that they keep to show some progress and yeah, take it from there. So have a good day. All right, Chancey. Bye, appreciate Chancey. it, man. I almost feel like this is, this is the – the vent line calm before the storm. This is all of this for the last month, with the exception of the Dallas hiccup. All of this has been leading to the Buccaneers game, right? We looked <laughs> at the schedule coming out of the bye, and it was like, all right, they're probably gonna probably gonna win like four of these games, maybe more. They might win more, and then it'll set them up for a last month slate against a couple Hall of Fame quarterbacks, a couple mm-hmm. division games. So this is all setting up almost exactly how we thought by week two months ago. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is so I think I think we're disappointed by how today's game went. It was ugly. It was poorly played both sides. Um, but I think we're going to get past this quickly because the most important thing today, to your point, Phil, was to win here because now the pressure's on. Like now, th- this is where I think a lot of us are going to make our decision about the post by 2020 Vikings team in the game against the Bucks, right? Because that's where we're, we're going to say, okay, Kirk, show us. Okay, Dalvin, show us. Okay, defense, if you can, which I don't know it's possible, show us. So, yeah, I think we're going to spend a couple of days here um, recollecting how ugly this game was and the fact it was a disappointment that the Vikings couldn't cover what I think amounted to like a 10-point spread. But, yeah, I think by about Wednesday or so, we're going to turn our full attention to the Buccaneers games and the Saints games to me. And it, it's probably fair post bye week are referendums on this team now and have you improved or 
did you get done with the bye and beat what amounts to, for the most part, a bunch of bad teams? Mm-hmm. I like No Girl the Viking going with one of our <laughs> nicknames here, Dr. Dagger with the final drive D. That's right. Dude, I mean, that was perfect handoff for him there. He never pan- you know, he never panics, too. He just hands that ball right off. Let Kirk <laughs> sing, man. Let Kirk never- sing. Let, Let Kirk, Kirk sing. sing. And Dalvin, hang on to the football, okay? Dalvin, hang on to the football. Also, this, is, this is Peterson-like right now. Some uh, some Cordell Cousins, uh, Kirk Vick action, too, moving his legs a little bit more these last few weeks. He's running for first downs every once in a while. You're right about that. I, I was looking yards, up. 10 yards there. I was looking up the numbers on that because Jay Feely, we can talk about the broadcast at some point, too. I feel like Jay Feely is still gun-shy from that Mac game that he called like three years ago where he – he called that field goal going to break that was wide right by about 40 feet. And he, you know, big field goal game is tied at three. And it's like this, it's all over YouTube. And you can oh, just no. kind of tell he's like super gun shy on his takes on the broadcast now. Cause he's just like this internet dope. So <laughs> he brings up the fact that Kirk cousins is now he's losing his legs a lot more than previous years. Like that's become and Declan. You just brought it up. That's been part of the narrative. Okay. Oh, so he's, He's run the ball 16 times this year going into the game yeah, for 77 <laughs> yards. So uh, his the year that he really used his legs was 2017 in Washington, where he ran the ball 49 times for 179 yards. He's like, he's like running, I don't know, once, once or twice a game. Like people yeah, make it, he's yeah. using his legs so much more. I don't know. Is he, is he like, I don't know. I feel like he talked about using his legs a lot more. He's sliding well. His slide is really nice now. It's a very nice baseball slide. Yeah. Also, uh, using your legs more to run for first downs is not like in the top five things I would put on my Kirk Cousins checklist. Keeping, sure. you know, if if he had legs like, you know, Kyler Murray or somebody, then yes, absolutely use them, use them all you can. Now, maybe moving a little bit away from pressure in the pocket, that type of thing. I'm not talking about using your Michael Vick, your Michael Vick button, though. But right, let's get to, our, get to our next one here, Dex. What else we got? Yeah, let's go to uh, Eldon. Eldon, what's up, buddy? Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. So one thing this game reminds me of is my dad always says the Vikings play down to their opponent. And I feel like they did that today. But it also felt like watching it that the defense kind of got on track a bit, then the offense wasn't on track. But they managed to pull it together before, like, the fourth quarter. It's like most of the time the Vikings, their defense is going well for a while, the offense does nothing. Then when the offense turns it on, the defense goes take a nap. I don't know why, but you know we beat yeah we beat them. That's what matters. I think you know a lot of this consternation that we're that we're wrestling around with is just a month and a half ago on this show on Purple Daily, any other shows you guys listen to, we were having legitimate discussions about finishing three and thirteen and looking at this team and saying, "Man, look at all the backups and rookies on defense." The offensive line has backups and rookies and you know, Kirk Cousins is, you know, he kind of, you know, kind of is what he is. He's limited. This team could probably go three and 13. Those were the discussions we were having like a month ago. And so now that they've won a bunch of games, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden they're just like a Super Bowl roster and contender. It just means, okay, they're playing closer to their peak and their peak is still flawed. That's really the, that's the reality. Their their peak is still flawed, and they're going to look like this against bad teams we, sometimes. But we should not be subjected to the utter crap that we saw from both teams. Like, I invested th- those hours of my life, to be clear, are now gone. Like, I don't get those back. I can't go back to God and be like, I'd like those three hours back. So what I'd like to see is some form of competent football, which I felt like today 
we didn't get like the Carolina game. I, I could sort of get, get with, you know, not perfect, but okay. That's Isn't fine. Yeah. But I felt like today subjected me to utter garbage that I'm too good for. I, I think it's <laughs> are, that simple. I'm, are I'm, you, I'm too good. I think are I'm you, too good for that. I think you've been watching, game, you've been watching Vikings football for like 45 years. I don't think you're above. I know. This. And I've seen a lot of garbage, but I'm just saying today <laughs> was at the bottom of the toilet bowl. And I don't like that. Like the Carolina game, I could very much get on board with. It was flawed. But today I'm watching that thing go back and forth, and I'm like, oh, my God, is this the state of this league? And the answer is largely, unfortunately, yes. Where I 100% agree with you is we need to have higher standards for the Vikings at every important stop. We need to have higher standards for, like, if they finish the season 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, and then maybe they get to the playoffs and they get beat. Okay, is is that a pleasant surprise from where they started one and five? Yes, but they still started one and five, and they dug that hole for themselves, and they're in a position where uh, their cap space has been maxed out for a couple of years. It's prevented them from tweaking the offensive line the way they want. So, if they do finish nine and seven, let's not sit here and plan a parade for it. Okay, like Super Bowl is the thing that has been missing for sixty years, and so um, even though. I'm cutting them some slack for this ugly performance against Jacksonville today. And in the micro, they're doing a lot of this with backups. The macro should still be Super Bowl. And that's where I agree. There's no Super Bowl near here today. No. <laughs> they cut me off before overtime for the Packers. I'm in Wisconsin. Oh, they did? <laughs> they run over and turn it on on the radio. And I'm like, I'm going to turn it on. And I'm going to hear that they lost. <laughs> like some ridiculous, like 103 yard touchdown return from the punch or something. Mike Glennon just threw a touchdown pass. All right. Yeah. Uh, Thank right Alvin, thanks for coming on. Thanks, appreciate it. it. Hey, speaking of uh, being in the bottom of the toilet pool, that's where I spent a good chunk of my night last night installing a new bidet into my bathroom, into the master bathroom here at Casa de Declan Goffs. Did you, did, when the Viking, when Dan Bailey knocked that game winner through, did you, uh, did you make a pit stop for a celebratory splash? You know, I did not go. I did not go post game, but there may have been a pregame splash. There may have been a pregame right. splash after brunch today, and there might be a review coming on Mackie and Judge Show this week. Okay, we're gonna do so. Dex Dex reviews the film is a new segment on Mackie and Judd. Can we get your film review of your new bidet sometime on the well, show tomorrow? I don't want to see any actual film. Just yeah, just the words okay. Will be I was fine. gonna say how how detailed no, you want me to get no, here. We no. could we could go there if we want to, but no. I was yeah, gonna say I told you guys last night we were only like forty subscribers away from two thousand on our new YouTube channel, youtubecom slash MN. A Declan live stream of his first bidet usage would have pushed <laughs> us over two thousand for sure. We work for a classy company, okay? <laughs> we, we, can dra- we, we can drag company. him down. We can drag uh, him down. It would be the worst thing I did. Who's let's, next uh, on that line? Yeah, let's go to Isaac. Isaac, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Can you hear me all right? Yes, sir. Yeah, man. What's going on? Um, Man, I don't even really know where to start with this game. You know, the whole time I was watching just on my phone sitting on the couch, I was thinking about, like, you know, stuff I could say once I got on the live stream. I was going to talk about – how Kirk Cousins was efficient on third down and stuff like that. Um, but that pretty much went out the window the second the fourth quarter hit and we started like actually losing. Because there's like losing in the first quarter when you're down a touchdown. And then there's losing where it's going into overtime with a one in ten team. And I it's just so frustrating to see the capability of this team and just how they always fail, pretty much. Like, it sounds dramatic, and, I mean, it kind of is. But just, like, seeing them constantly, like, 
being so good, so good, so good. And then you play a team like Jacksonville and they, they did still win the game. Um, not really, it wasn't really a moral victory, but on the stat line, it's going to say that we won the game. Um, but it just, yeah, it's so frustrating watching this team. Man. I think it would be more forgivable if they were like some of these other franchises like Pittsburgh and the Giants where like they'll give you the embarrassing season occasionally or they'll get like they'll get into a, a random fight against a bad team like the Jaguars. And it's frustrating, but ultimately it's forgivable because, oh, they won a couple Super Bowls in 2007 and 2011. Or, oh, yeah, the Steelers. Yeah, they got a, Mike Tomlin won a Super Bowl. And then they won another Super Bowl with Bill Cowher, right? I think the fact that they have that the Vikings haven't won a Super Bowl, just it, it, that that pit is just sitting in your stomach when you watch a game like that today. And it's like, come on, guys, what are, we, what, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> and th- this team in particular this year is so up and down. Like at times you see games and think, man, okay, they're improving. They're looking really good now. Now they don't look good. Now today they just looked lifeless, which was weird. Like it, it'd be easier to explain today's game if the Vikings were actually a pretty good team that let down and then was you thought to yourself that they, they were looking ahead to the Tampa Bay game, right? Um, but what's weird about today is it's not like the Vikings are a great team and they had a chance to sort of just dagger a, a team after they dropped the first game of the three games here. And so you thought, yeah, you know what? They're going to come out and be great. And they weren't. I, I think this team confuses us because there's times where, where we gain hope about who they are after the bad start. And then like today we're like, or not. Um, but to me, the storyline from today's game, and if you're a Viking fan, the one thing that should make you very pleased is I don't ever think I've seen a team win and basically walk off the field like they lost. You like know the Vikings what? literally just walked off, which, which by, to be clear, good for them. They took the exact approach, which was we played like crap. We are not going to act like this was some great win. It's the opposite of I remember when I was, this is probably like my senior year of college at the University of Minnesota. This is, I think this was Tim Brewster's last year, second to last year. And the Gopher football team, I think they were playing NDSU. And NDSU was good, but hadn't gone like to dynasty level yet in, in Division One AA. And they kicked a game-winning field goal to beat, you know, a subdivision team that they should never have been in a game with. And they literally ran around the field celebrating and like hooting and hollering. It's that. like, you guys. I hate that. So, so I am glad, uh, and I'll throw it back to Isaac here in a second for his final thoughts, but I am glad that they they walked off like professionals today. All right. And, and you know what? The Jaguars have a tendency. That was a classic Jaguars game where, where like, it's, <laughs> it, it looks like it's going to end like 19 to 16. Like, <laughs> There's just like the mandatory four turnovers and a safety and a backup quarterback, like every Jaguars game ever. It's usually on a Thursday night, inexplicably on national TV. And uh, they just like they drag teams into their Jaguarsness. And not that the not that the Vikings are this pristine uh, franchise and this perfect team. I felt like the I felt like the Vikings got dragged into the Jaguars vortex a little bit today and they emerged out of it with a win. So it's good. Yeah, and can I also just say, like, how unclutch our defense is? Like, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen, like, a worst, like, you need a final drive or a final stop out of your defense. I don't think I've seen a worse defense than this year, especially Vikings defense. It just seems like every game we're like, yes, we get the game-winning touchdown, and then 30 seconds later, oh, 
Teddy Bridgewater just completed a 40-yard pass somehow in double coverage. <laughs> it's like it's incredible how terrible they are at the end of games. Yeah, I think the, the, the last year of Leslie Fring and Isaac, great points, man. Thanks for coming Thanks, on. Man. People are digging your hat in the comment section, so keep rocking that when you come on. Yeah, um, the, 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 the last defense that was this bad late in games was probably Leslie Frazier's last year where like they were just bad all the time. But I remember that defense had zero chance at the end of games. Yeah. Um, who else is, we got? Yeah. The problem is. Yep. The problem ahead. is this. Zim wants to blitz, but he knows if he blitzes at times and his opponent has a run game at, at all, it's going to gash him. So he like literally is just guessing. Like he he's the puppeteer here, and he's like, should I blitz? Should I blitz? And if he does, and he's wrong, they they get gashed. I mean. This is the problem is you've got right now, probably like just off the top of my head today, probably like three or maybe four, probably three really efficient pieces, Harrison Smith, Anthony Harris, right? Eric Wilson, and your cornerbacks are improving. Dantzler was good, but you don't know going into the game if he's going to be good. And so I think to a large degree, Phil, Mike in making the defensive play calls is like guessing on what's going to work and not work, which, which is, you know, two years back. Like he didn't have to guess because he, he knew basically every member of that defense was on the same page and could make plays. So I think that's the problem here of, of why they blitz at times and they don't blitz because it's literally become a guessing game. And the majority of your defensive players, if things go the slight uh, slightest bit wrong, can't hold up their end of the bargain. Uh, real quick here, scoreboard watching, 13 seconds left in the first half. Rams leading the Cardinals 14 to 7. Cardinals are driving right now just on the fringe of the red zone. If the Cardinals lose that game, the Vikings will be tied with the Cardinals at 6-6, six and six, battling for that seventh playoff spot. Who do we got, Dex? Uh, let's uh, let's bring back in Dylan to uh, wrap up these stakes. Dylan, what's up, man? All right. Hey, I got my laptop. Can you guys hear me all right? Well, yes, yeah, sir. we'll see here. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, don't forget also New England's leading the Chargers 14-0. If the Chargers lose, Justin Jefferson, rookie of the year, I mean – that's something we're not talking about enough, you know, over Justin Herbert there. Um, but I got three more points I wanted to add here. So I got to give props to Kirk Cousins, right, for yelling at Clint Kubiak. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that little side yeah. bit there. Yeah. But you know he's yelling at him like, why are we running these screen passes and these, these three-yard out routes? I can beat these guys with the two best wide receivers in the league here. Like, come on now. And then number four – on my five points here, Justin Jefferson needs four out routes a game that I just say hut and I throw out deep. No matter what, I don't care. And I can compare this to when the Packers had Jordy Nelson, and they would just throw the ball out there for 50 yards, and either he catches it or it's a 50-yard PI. And it could be even uncatchable. It doesn't even matter. But you just know you're going to get that yardage. I say mm-hmm. one and a quarter, throw to Justin Jefferson. Agreed. Number five. You need a draft, a kick returner, a punt return specialist. I don't care what round. Just take whoever the hell, the heck, sorry, the best specialist is in college football. Just they try, they've tried. <laughs> they keep coming up short. Or you know, they, they took what uh, – Osborne was taken in, was it the fifth round, sixth round Something of like last April's draft? Guess yeah. what? It ain't working. <laughs> Just get a, a punt returner, I swear to God, who can catch the football, okay? That's all you need. I don't need big returns. Just catch the football. I don't care if you do this the whole time. Catch it. Secure it. 
Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, what do you guys think about that? I really want your opinions on that. Well, awesome. I, I first of all, I, the, the one thing I really want to hone in on here is the, uh, the the new version of the Randy ratio. As Dylan is the Justin Jefferson, I saw somebody on Twitter. I don't know if it was uh, one of the local TV guys. I wish I could give Chris credit. Long, right? The Justin justification. Chris Long. Yeah, the, uh, so our, our buddy Chris Long from yeah, Channel yeah. Five. The Justin justification. You need uh-huh. some sort of framework, and I love what Dylan's talking about. Just go deep. Like he's now today. He, I thought it was a kind of a weak call, the offensive pass interference. But if you just throw the ball down the field to Justin yeah. Jefferson, like three or four times a game, something good's going to happen a couple times. And I agree with you, Judd. I think he's probably good enough and aware enough to at least play defense. Now, don't now, am I going to force it into like triple coverage? Oh. No. But if I see, if I see for sure one on one, I'm going there. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I feel like, there might be safety help over the top. I wouldn't necessarily always shy away from it because I think he's one of those guys you can force it to, and he might draw a penalty or come down with the football or both. Hmm. So exactly I love right. that idea. Love yes. It. Yes. Deep, deep shots need to go his way. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. All right, Dex, let's get to our next Vikings guest here on Ventline. Let's go to uh, our buddy Bernard for the first time in a couple weeks. Bernard, what's up, man? Hey, uh, how you doing? Good. What's happening, man? Six and six. Yeah. Tom Brady on the horizon. Yeah, I, I don't see a way how we beat that team. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you, you guys talked about uh, how uh, in the Carolina game they spread about spread around the ball so nicely, and uh, yeah, that didn't happen today. I mean, uh, thirty-eight touches for Delvin, huh? That's, yes, that's not it, good. No, looks, it's not. He it and he, does, he's, he doesn't look at all a hundred percent. No, yeah. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, DC not a single target today. Every everyone except Thielen, Cook, and uh, and uh, Justin Jefferson, not not more than two targets, I think. Six rushes by somebody else, but uh, but uh, Delvin, and three of those by Kirk. They actually ran the ball once with Justin Jefferson, which I I, th- I thought they might try more often, actually. Then they said, uh, apparently, uh, well, two yards, not good enough, not going to try it again. I don't know. Yeah. I, got the ma- I got the math here for you. So 78 either handoffs or targets, 78 total, all right? Dalvin Cook, let's see here, 32 plus 20. So that's 52, 64, 64 out of the 78 attempted touches, so if you include targets were Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen today. And so I am I am in the school of thought that you should definitely start with trying to get the ball to your best players. That feels like a major overcompensation to, I guess especially against the Jaguars where like you can you can probably give Dalvin a little bit of a breather and I get that Alex Madison was out today but you no know you can't, I don't know if he needs to touch the ball 38 times in that game, but they did have to go to overtime and ride him to win it, so maybe they wouldn't win if he if he sits out for 10 extra touches, who knows? Maybe, but I mean, they've tried in the past running, running it with Thielen, for example, too. And he didn't get the ball at all on the ground. I mean, you can, you can be creative there too. Not, yeah. not just passing game. I, I, I would yep. say. Yep. yep. Amen. Bernard, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, Appreciate your insight. Thanks, man. They have made this much to our chagrin at times i think abundantly clear though that they are going to be as successful offensively to a large uh portion as 
Dalvin Cook makes them. And I and if he ends up at some point in time, it might be against the Bucks. Who knows? Lying on the field and has to be carried off and is done. They're just probably done. Like I mean, they we keep saying, but there's got to be an, an alternative, right? Like you could get this guy more carries, or you could get this guy. The, and and look, the Jefferson thing to me is about his use and opportunities. Um, I am not advocating every pass goes to him, right? So when it comes to Cook, I'm not trying to be hypocritical here about this. My point about Cook, though, is that at some point in time, like he has an expiration date probably for each year, right? Like there's an expiration, like he's a package and there's an expiration date um, or an expiration touch. Uh, And to go to him today against Jacksonville, uh, 38 times is extraordinary. Like that is a lot. And I would just think that there would be a way to possibly spread the ball out just a bit more. So, you know, let's say get that down to 25 to 30. And cause I'm not saying that he shouldn't get the ball a ton. They definitely think he needs to, and he is that good. Um, but when I see Jacksonville Jaguars one and 10 and near 40 touches, I guess I say to myself, whoa, that seems like a lot. And I will keep going back, guys, to what I keep telling you, which is at some point in time, I'd like Dalvin Cook to play a really important role on a really good team. And like this year is taking up that the uh, gas tank really quickly. And so, you know, in two years, three years, if the Vikings are good, is Dalvin Cook in any way going to be the same player that he was going into 2020? I doubt it. So I would just I would like to see um, an approach to his touches that conserves him a little bit more. And I think in Zim's world, he, he's like, no, screw that. He's going to touch the ball as much as he possibly can. Yeah, I mean, think about today, right? Like was pitch count on Mike Zimmer's mind when the Vikings got into in a normal game, they get into field goal range in overtime yeah. and and they're about and they're about can to I say win. something. Pitch count, the Jack Morris pitch count. Yeah. That was what was on Zim's mind <laughs> right. back in my day, 125. Like, could they game. Could they probably have attempted that field goal five runs earlier? Yeah, but 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 I'm sitting there, too, and I even tweeted out. I'm like, I don't trust Dan Bailey. He's missed <laughs> two extra points today. So, yeah, I'm probably going to hand the ball off until I get to a fourth down. So it's tough because, again, in the micro, you're trying to win the game. Yeah. In the macro is handing off 38 times or, or you know, 38 touches for Dalvin Cook in that in that game advantageous no and by the way um they attempted to get him the ball 41 times today because he was targeted nine times in the passing game yeah, he caught right. six of them. they tried to get him the ball 41 times today against the jacksonville jaguars 41 41 <laughs> touches think about that for a second 41 bleeping touches wow. yeah it, it so it was it was 38 touches 41 attempts to get him a touch just which for, was absolutely for those scoring at home yes <laughs> all right dex who else let's uh let's go to mark mark you're on vikings vent line Sounds good. Can you hear me, guys? Yes, sir. Yeah, what's up? All right, ter- terrific. So, listen, I think we need to all just you know take a big step back for a second and realize just how much of an unmitigated disaster this would have been losing to Doug Marone as the head coach. So, you know, I'm a lifelong Buffalo Bills fan, uh, so I had to suffer with him for two years up in Buffalo. Let, let me let, just think about this for a second, okay? He was the head coach at Syracuse University. 
okay, which isn't even a great program. He went 500 there. He gets the head coach job at the Bills. Who knows why? You know, normally when guys move from college to the NFL, it's because they're a, a gifted offensive play caller or, you yeah. know, like a Cliff Kingsbury who's known to develop a quarterback. Marone doesn't even call plays. He, the guy was an offensive line coach. That that was it. He gets his shot in Buffalo. The first thing he says there is that he's everyone's going to be referring to him in Buffalo as St. Doug if he gets the Bills to nine wins and a wild card. That really ingratiated him with, with every there and then he opts out of his contract after two years because he thinks he's going to get the Jets head coaching job which he doesn't get and he only ends up in Jacksonville because they needed an old line coach at the time Coughlin comes in and apparently Coughlin decided that he needed Marone in order to try and take the NFL back to like you know 1995 with the way they call plays he ignores analytics he makes dumb clock management decisions in the fourth quarter. I mean, no team has any business losing to this guy, which is why only one has all year. If, if we would have lost this, I mean, to lose to Doug Marone, a guy like that, I mean, come on. So, you know, we, we should be – I mean, it's, don't get right. it's a great win for us. You know, and, and, and Judd, by the way, I, um, I I could not stop thinking about the, the pencil neck on Mike Glennon and, or stop thinking about Merton Hanks all game long. Um, that brought back some, some funny I memories. love the pencil, I love pencil necks are great, aren't they? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, anyway, good, good win. Yeah, they, they got through. You're, you're right, you're right, Phil. They did get sucked into the Jaguars' vortex a little bit, but, you know, <laughs> thank God they got out of the Doug Marone death spiral. Yep. Mark, that's great stuff, man. Appreciate it. Man, Buffalo Bills and Minnesota Vikings fan. Just whew, that's a lot of heartbreak there. Thank Doug for going nine and nine and seven and making a wild card appearance. Doug Marone, man. Certified a- football buffoon. <laughs> He's out. Yeah. He, yeah. But got, again, strategically brilliant moves by the Jets and the Jaguars to leave Adam Gase and Doug Marone oh, yeah. in their head coaching spots. Just See how many games you can blow as you try to get that Trevor Lawrence pick. Genius. All right, who, who's up next here on Vikings Vent Line, Dex? Yeah, let's go to Taylor. Taylor, you're on Vikings Vent Line. What's up, nice. Taylor? Oh, we can't hear you. Oh, you're just, you just got to unmute yourself. You're good, man. Got the great mic set up here, man. Boom, boom, boom. How's that? We good? He's got, the, he's got the spit screen and everything. Yeah, the pop yeah. filter. Wow, I thought I'd step YouTube. up my mic game today. So. Nice. <laughs> Um, two quick things before I go into Vikings. One, Declan, it's so weird you were just talking about bidets because I was just looking at some online. What? So I swear to God, because I'm in California and uh we're going through another lockdown starting tonight, and already there's like no toilet paper. So and it happened the last lockdown in March. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm done. Bidet. Okay, so hold on a second. I mean, is is are we entering like the like the bidet trend in the United States now? Just every, everyone's going to get that splashy, refreshing feeling after dropping. No, no. people are scared. People are scared. The Europeans have been on board, but no, I don't think That's Americans right. will ever adapt. We love toilet paper. I don't, paper. Do I don't, I don't get it. Toilet paper is the first thing to go. It's weird. Corona seltzer and bidets. I mean, I'm just influencing yes. the world right now, yes. man. I'm, I'm all about. If if you've got one, do, do you not need the the paper then? Like, are you good? Like, is, is so, this total, total cleansing? Well, what I have been told is, is 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 you spray, and then that will take care of like ninety percent of what you're going on up there, and then you just have to pat yourself dry because you're not going to put your pants back on with behind. Yeah. But what it's I got, actually, I bought it. I'm actually looking at shower extensions because I think <laughs> that makes more sense. You you go, you do your business, you go in the shower. Use your bidet faucet and then, you know, regular shower. Start. I can tell you, I'll, I'll tell you guys, I've told Judd this story before. So I used to cover the Minnesota Twins for 1500 ESPN 2010 through 2013. 
and the greatest contract the Twins ever signed. You guys are going to think I'm nuts when I say this. Siyoshi Nishioka, who wasn't a very good baseball player, but he is the gift that has given generations of Twins players in that clubhouse because he negotiated in his contract a bidet to replace one of the traditional bathroom stalls no in the Twins way. clubhouse. And so to this day, 10 years after Siyoshi Nishioka's bust of a baseball contract, guys like Max Kepler, Miguel Sano, Nelson Cruz <laughs> reap the benefits of a refreshing, splashy trip. You know who's a bidet fan? You know who's a bidet advocate? And then we should probably move on. <laughs> Is Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas. Really? That's interesting. He's- yeah, I mean, I'm not going to quote it because it's a little disgusting, his analogy he uses, but you should sure. look it up. It's pretty interesting. All right, okay. Anyways, uh, I woke up at like 6 this morning, and so I stupidly decided I'm going to get uh, four shots of espresso over ice, which I'm still sipping. And this was the worst game to already go in with an accelerated heart rate. Oh, my <laughs> God. Because I'm still just like, I don't know if I want him to lose. I don't know if I want him to win. I wanted them to lose against Carolina last week, 100%. Like after those two straight fumbles, I'm like, we don't deserve it. Like, let's. This is a this is a done season. I'm I'm sick of this. But then we barely got it, and then this one was just so ill deserved. It was it was just insane to watch. Like I didn't know what I wanted, and they won, and like I felt just like the Vikings. But you want, but you want wins now. Like yeah. a, at a this loss point, is yes. not going to help yes. you like draft pick wise. <sighs> so I, I mean. I, Post-Carolina, yes, but pre-Carolina, if they lost Carolina, I think that would put them at three or four wins, right? To your point, the Panthers game sort of, and today, they deserve to lose, so you're you're not wrong, but, like, I'm not not actively on the lose now uh, because I wanted them to get uh, to Tampa with some stakes there. Like, I'm really curious now. This set this does as bad as today's game was. This sets up the Tampa game now to me to actually be uh, the pressure's on. Let's see it. And I want that. I want that. I absolutely I want that. We won these past two games. But here's the thing: I'd be less surprised if we beat the Bucks than if we lost to Jacksonville today. We always, and I know we, you guys have beat this to a dead horse, but we right. always show up to the good teams and we always play down to the bad teams. It's crazy. Right. It's so cyclical and predictable. It's it, it's so hard to watch. So. I, I don't know, man. It's it's just really ridiculous, and I don't know how to feel anymore because we're gonna get heartbroken. Do we want to get heartbroken now no. or a wild card round I, I or feel, week seventeen? Like, I almost feel like the only way you out. the only yeah the, the <laughs> oh, only yeah. I'm serious. I'm I'm with Judd here. I think the get only that, way that. you can feel heartbreak unless you have just like deluded yourself with this year's team. Sure. If they get if they go on a run here, let's say they beat the Bucks and then they like they finish nine and seven or something, they get to the playoffs and then they win a couple playoff games. Get back to the <laughs> NFC Championship game. You're dreaming, and then, bud. then you then you let but your guard down. That's the only way that there can be heartbreak. But, but look, if, if they if they go in as the last seed, right? Sure. And they they, they the lose. newly created last seed. And they well, yeah the yeah. eighth seed. But yeah. if they if they go in as that seed and lose that game, you cannot be like I can't believe they lost. This is so hard to take. I mean, no matter what occurs in in that game by that point, I think it's just fun. Yo, absolutely. Have so fun with there's no heartbreak. He already has an asterisk next to it anyways. You know? Heartbreak's so over. Just, I don't well, t- you speak for yourself. Sorry, one quick point. I know I got to go. I have a cold take mixed with a very, very, very hot take. You ready? Okay. Then I'll split. Dalvin Cook is going to get run into the ground. Known fact, either this season or midway or the end point of next season. Yep. And my hot take is that is the best case scenario for this team. 
because as, as long as we have Dalvin Cook, an amazing running back, we're still going to be run first and only be aggressive when we have to be. But once you take that away, much like you take away Thielen last week, we're forced to do something else. So either that has to happen or Zimmer has to get fired because I don't understand how we keep passing first when it's like down on the line. Like, See, the, the amazing thing is Rick Spielman was, I don't think he was, uh, Judd, he was the general manager in 2009, or he had a different title. He was like director of player personnel or yeah, whatever Childress it was. Yeah, was the de facto GM at the time. Yep. But, but, but Rick Spielman was, was pulling strings in the organization. When they actually had the right formula with a Hall of Fame running back, the one year they did it right was 2009. That's actually the and, year I became a fan. I, I came oof. from Green Bay and I followed Favre. That's oof. the year I became a Vikings fan. I and like so that. 2009, they had Adrian Peterson. They had this Ferrari of a running back, but because mm-hmm. they had, I mean, you know, Brett, Brett Favre, different level than Kirk Cousins, although Kirk Cousins can throw the ball. Um, and, they, and they didn't just pound it to Peterson for four and a half, five months. They pounded it to Peterson, but that was a passing offense. Totally. That played off play action, and and that was sort of the formula for how you do it with a Hall of Fame running back and a good passing game. The difference is if Favre got some of these play calls, these horrendous second down running play calls, I, I feel like he'd be like, it. no, he'd change it. Oh, exactly. I agree with question. you, but Cousins is too scripted that he can't see Here's how flawed this is. If Cook is, is gone, if Cook is out, because yeah. this offense starts with Cook. Yeah. If you subtracted him and put in a back who was good but not great, mm-hmm. um, does Cousins have the consistency and the ability to take control of this offense completely? It because has that, to that's, be, that's has what to be a signature Kubiak combo of running backs. Get Latavius Murray back or I'd someone like that. I'm pissed that's we a, let Latavius go. Interesting. Latavius interesting. and like a CJ Anderson type or like Jarek McKinnon, really small back and a really tight. That's what, mm-hmm. that's what Kubiak does. Ruben That's Jones, man. Can, is Ruben Jones under the age of 50? Let's call him. God, I, I love Dalvin. You're right. He needs to play for either the Texans or the Dolphins. That's yep. my take. He needs to go. We need to trade him and Daniil Hunter to get really good draft capital and get a new quarterback, baby. I'm out. That's hey, Taylor. it. Great stuff, good dude. Stuff, Taylor. Great I, want, I want the bidet review on next week's episode. That's a nice and also, that. I saw somebody asking or, or saying in the YouTube comments that Tom Brady almost certainly uses a bidet. In, in probably in all 15 of his mansion bathrooms. For sure. Real quick, uh, quick pecking order. Who are the five quarterbacks in the NFL that you're pretty sure use a bidet at home? Tom Brady's mm. number one, right? Brady's one. I think Rodgers uses one. I think Rodgers uses one. I could see that. Cam mm-hmm. Newton. Cam Newton for sure uses a bidet. Cam's a bidet guy. 100%. 100%. Garoppolo. Oh, Russell Wilson, too, I bet. Jimmy G. Russell Wilson up in Bellevue. For sure. Jimmy G. He's too pretty, a pretty boy to yeah. use. He's, he's, no he's a very, very pretty man. He does, he does not let Charmin get to that rear end. No, no, no. He, he, I, he uses the day. I bet Jimmy G sits on it backwards, too. Yeah. Think about that. Present. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Do you know who, do, who doesn't use one? Kirk Cousins. Good old fashioned TP. Yeah. Meat, meat and potato. Mystery meat and potato. <laughs> meat and potato. That's disgusting. All right. Let's get to uh, Pulford Skull here to to the vent line. What's up, Pulford? Hey, don't worry. I'm walking inside right now. I was I was outside and I was excited, but it got too dark out here in Tennessee. I was going to show Declan the horses. I was outside. <laughs> I was outside with the horses. He's really scared of them. Don't yeah, like it. I know. Hey, Unless you're taking me to your bidet, I, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. No, we're not going to any stinking bidet. <laughs> hey, I, I just want to bring up the well. There's a few points I got for today, but yeah, all the negativity. It's like we just lost the Super Bowl or something today. 
you would certainly think that we took the L. I mean, you got people on here with their pitchforks, their torches, like, call the NFL, give us a loss, take away that loss, this is ridiculous, take away that win, this is ridiculous. I mean, like, what do you guys want? The Bears lost? I cannot wait for Bears Venmon. Cannot wait. Yeah, if you want to hear angry Chicago Bears callers and hosts, Mackie and Judd podcast tomorrow, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com. You're welcome. After being up by two touchdowns. Yeah. By the way, can I just totally random? I'm just reading through some of these comments right now. Mike's, Mike says on YouTube, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> That's pretty good. He says, I'm not, I'm not going to put it up on the screen, but he says, Kirk Cousins listens to Acoustic Creed while he goes number two. <laughs> 100%. But he wouldn't pay for Creed. Hey, uh, man. Hey, Mackie, I got something for you. You ready for this? Yes. All right. Let's see if we can get this up on the screen. <laughs> Number two biggest fan. Oh, you know what though? Pulford. Your three. You're too we... late, dude. We already have a number two biggest fan. You're so the thir- you're the you're number three now. Oh, dude. Number three. <laughs> I think it was Will. Will yeah, had the hat yeah, on. you're gonna have to fight it out with Will. Will had the number two biggest fan hat on, so you gotta change that to three. There could be three of us. We're we're on the Mount Rushmore of Kirk's biggest fans. Mackie's <laughs> number love it, dude. one, baby. Mackie's number one. I mean like Let's just take a moment of silence for Kirk Cousins. I mean, yeah, he threw his – hey, look, I got to check this, gentlemen. And number one says, Kirk's bonehead, play the game. Pick six, an interception. That look on his face when he threw that, that, oh, shucks. Dude, (laughs) I did that. Like, all right, thanks, Kirk. We all knew that was coming. We appreciate it. But Kirk, he looked good after he got rid of his safety blanket after that first quarter when it was like, Where's Adam Thielen? Adam Thielen. Where's Adam Thielen? Yeah, for Thielen. sure. <laughs> yeah, he was he was very excited to have Thielen back in the first quarter. It was like there's like four to four defenders on Thielen on the second play of the game. He's like, I gotta get it to Thielen. BFFs forever, like, right, Adam? <laughs> hey, but for the most part, Kirk's really turned it around since the bye. Yeah, Kirk does mm-hmm. boneheaded Kirk things, but Kirk, I mean, he's moving around the pocket, he's making plays, he's finding other receivers, sometimes not named Adam Thielen, but. I mean, for the most part, Kirk went over 300 yards again today. He's rushing out there like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, like, what what more do you want from this guy at this point? I mean, it's like we should just pay him 41 million. I'm I'm with Pulford right now. Pulford, have it, you been drinking a lot during the course of that game? Like, and I don't blame you one bit because that game deserves someone drinking during it. No, I didn't. And then everybody just ragging on this defense. So we just you guys went over it earlier. I was out walking the dogs actually, and uh, we talked Harris. We talked uh, Harrison, and then we've got, uh, what, one more veteran? I guess Wilson, if we call him a veteran. Yep. That's eight guys that were all working at Lowe's last week. What do you guys want? I mean, like, we're six and six. We're 500. Like, that's the Super Bowl. Like, some of us Vikings fans were like, we made the six and six. Woo! Lowe's, Taco Bell. I mean, you know, there there are various places that they definitely could have been working last week. Okay, Pulford. I mean, Menards maybe. Yeah, Menards is Menards, Menards is packed true, these days. That's a good true value hardware store. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Pulford, we appreciate we pre- appreciate. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's just the little victories. Like all week, you guys talked about the little things, like Dantzler, for example. What a game that young man had today. Yes. You know, yep. he had that strip fumble, and that was on him. He made that play. He went after that ball. He took it away. That was huge. That first touchdown of the game, uh, Chenault, 
I mean, he was just as surprised he caught that as anybody else. Harrison Smith was like, are you joking right now? Like, I can't believe that happened. I mean, this game could have totally went the opposite way. The Vikings could have won 43-16, to 16, you know what I mean? But they had bad breaks. They didn't give up. They won the game. Y'all be happy. Yep. I mean, Love I it. know you guys are happy. And Kirk's biggest fan, Mackey. That's right. Next Sunday, Polford. Next Sunday, Tampa Bay. Let's see. Yeah, we're gonna start a we're, we're gonna start a Patreon page uh, for the fan club here pretty soon. I think we'll see how he does against Tom Brady. I'm gonna I'm gonna make him I'm gonna make him play against Tom Brady first. You might want to hold off on that. Your guy, Kirk Cousins, Joe Mackey. Right. Who, hey, Pulford, who's got two thumbs and a colossus of clutch in the fourth quarter? Quarterback. These two guys right here. Right Not here. Teddy Bridgewater, we'll tell you that. Oh, boy. Uh, easy. Easy, Pulford. More like Teddy Bridge over troubled water, Declan. Oh, be, be careful, Pulford. Dex <laughs> holds the key to getting on this show. Who's yeah. got Declan, I, I still love you, Declan. We didn't get the horses, so I still love you. Appreciate it. I appreciate you, Pulford. All right, see you, Pulford. Bye. Declan, who's got two thumbs and is lucky the Vikings dodged a Teddy Bridgewater bullet a couple years ago? That guy. Not this guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, we're who's going after. Two, who's got two thumbs and a clean behind? This guy right here. So I'm all right. I'm okay. Your guy Teddy's being attacked here. Davey wants me and everyone else to know that Kirk does not play against Tom Brady ever. He will play against the defense next week. So, yeah, that oh, is true. Forgot that about is that. true. There's Tampa yeah. defense. Yeah. Wait a second. Travis says I'm stealing PA lines. I'm sorry. I've been on the Kirk Cousins nickname. Is, is PA stealing my nicknames? Mm. Well, what are we talking about? Got it. What, nickname, what nicknames is PA using on his Like, radio are we talking show? about phrases that you used or Kirk uh, nicknames, possibly? I mean, you guys know I've been I've been on the Kirk nicknames wagon for a couple weeks right. now. So I don't know. Is yeah. he is 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 PA stealing our nicknames? Oh, uh, that's oh. very. It's very. I would need a witness. I'm not sure. Good tell. Turned into a very controversial episode of Ventline. Mm-hmm. Is this true? If if the Vikings win a Super Bowl, would you get a bidet? You know, I used one in Chicago a couple of years back at a hotel that we stayed at. I wasn't a huge fan. I'm surprised you even had the courage to do it. I'm proud of you for that even. Oh, I wanted to check it out. It was just, it, there were some there were some issues that I'm not sure I want to touch on, so to speak, um, that I really didn't enjoy that much. The, cleansling, the cleansliness factor was not entirely there. So there was lots of work to be done. And I also found, and I probably shouldn't, say this because it's gross um i also found it caused because of the uh wetness some chafing issues oh god uh, all um, right let's just say let's just say that it's not like the skin on your hand back there okay <laughs> all right yeah it's not like that at all so so you know like point. like your hands can get counts, all, yeah. right counts yeah. from a hard day's work oh my god back, uh, back there you, know, you don't want a chafing actually so you know what so business idea just between the three of us okay so and anyone else who wants to fund this a bidet but a secondary shoot for some baby powder so you push you push one button you that's get what the, i needed the, and then you put and the next the next buttons for the baby powder. that's what i needed i kind of like that i don't i i like that i do like that this is a endorsement waiting to happen though yeah that's right i'm seeing sales right now don't worry Ventline right. brought to you by do you think, do you think corona hard seltzer would be down for uh this bidet idea instead hey, of I, shooting instead of shooting water it shoots lime flavored corona hard seltzer i got i got takes coming out of both ends baby all the other sponsor doesn't no, matter no, to me. no 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 no, to me. no we've jumped doesn't the shark matter. we've jumped the shark all right oh we should God. probably we should probably go before uh before, before we get we fired jump. here all right <laughs> we'd that's like right. to apologize to our classy company <laughs> 
All right, that's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily Vikings Ventline Corona Hard Seltzer. You can find Purple Daily seven days a week on youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast and also in podcast form, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. And keep an eye on scorenorth.com for Judd's write-ups from the stadium today as well. And we'll see you guys tomorrow.